Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Tuesday, February 1st, and this is People Every Day. Hey everyone, it's me, Janine Rubenstein. Top of February to you all. There is so much happening this month, you guys. The Olympics start this week. It's Black History Month, and it's the first day of the Year of the Tiger. So happy Lunar New Year to all those who celebrate. Okay, well, let's get into what's heating up your timeline today. The star of one of the most buzzed about shows out right now has become the victim of internet body shamers. Yellow Jacket star Melanie Linsky has recently been bombarded with unsolicited tweets about her weight. Her husband, Emmy-nominated actor Jason Ritter, came to her defense, though, in a now viral tweet, writing, If anyone has any further unsolicited comments about anybody else's body, they can feel free to write them in permanent ink onto their own foreheads and swan dive directly into the sun. Well, I stand a supportive husband, and Melanie Linsky is lovely, okay? Not to mention talented. She was excellent in Netflix's Don't Look Up, but it'll always be her sweet role in Ever After for me. While keeping with actors making public comments, Whoopi Goldberg is in the news for a comment she made yesterday on The View in a segment discussing a Tennessee school choosing to pull Mouse, the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust, from its lesson plans. She said, quote, the Holocaust isn't about race, but this take angered a lot of people. And in response, the 66-year-old actress issued a verbal apology today. Take a listen. I said that the Holocaust wasn't about race, and it was instead about man's inhumanity to man. But it is indeed about race, because Hitler and the Nazis considered Jews to be an inferior race. Now, words matter, and mine are no exception. I regret my comments, as I said, and I stand corrected. She went on to apologize to anyone who she may have hurt. Now let's get into one of the biggest stories of the day, which happens to come from this week's cover of People, our love issue featuring our favorite girl from the block, J-Lo. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jennifer Lopez is about to get married on screen in her new romantic comedy, Marry Me, which also stars Latin recording artist Maluma and actor Owen Wilson. It hits theaters and starts streaming on Peacock on Valentine's Day. Here's a little clip from the trailer. I'm told that uh, 20 million people are supposed to watch as we take our vows. They say if you want something different, you have to do something different. Why not? I'll marry you. You. Go! 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 Of course, what so many fans are wondering is what's going on in the superstar's real-life love story playing out 
you know, opposite boyfriend, Ben Affleck. So to answer that question and so many more about the actress, singer, mom, and icon that is J-Lo, I have with me People Editor Liz Leonard, who just sat down and dug deep with the star for this week's cover. Hi, Liz. Hey, hey. So you recently spoke with Jennifer, and she really opened up about pretty much everything. But I want to start with the woman of the hour. She has new music, a film, J-Lo Beauty, kids. Like, how is she feeling these days amid all of that? Jean, I've got to tell you, I've interviewed her a handful of times over the years, for, for many, many years. And I've never sat down with a person more calm, content, happy, really at peace with where she is in life. It was actually dramatically different than I've seen her over, you know, 10 years ago, let's say, or five years ago. Yeah. And she said point blank, she's never been better. I feel really great about everything and I'm feeling very happy. There's a point in your life where you think nothing makes sense. And then there's a point in your life where you're like, oh, it all makes sense now. And I feel like that's where I am. I love it. And I love how you open the article as well. Take us into that moment with her son where she's answering that very question. There was sort of this amazing moment in the interview where she talks about her 13-year-old son, Max, sort of, you know, slipping into bed, having a snuggle, basically saying, Mom, how are you doing? And meanwhile, she had had a, a, a cold and so she was coughing and she's like, oh, don't worry, Max, it's just a little cough. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. He's like, no, no, no. Mom, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Aww. Yeah. And so she was kind of, you know, touched and wowed by the question. And she just said, Max, honestly, I have never been better. And he says, me too. Aww. He says, I, lo I love you, mommy. She says, I love you, Max. It, it sort of encapsulated exactly where she is, where she says her family is basically never been better. I love that. I love those sweet little snuggle moments. Well, J-Lo is the cover of our love issue, and it seems like she's never been better in that department as well. Unless you're living under a rock, you would know that J-Lo has not had it, you know, all the way easy in the romance department. There's been ups and downs, but she is currently dating Ben Affleck, whom she previously dated before getting engaged to former Yankee Alex Rodriguez, and that relationship ended, but now we are back in 2002, 2003 circa, but better. <laughs> Why is it different this time around, and how is their love stronger this time around? Well, I think she would say that all of those quote-unquote failed relationships, failed marriages, sort of led her in some ways to this place. She learned from each one of them. It sort of all brought her to this place. All the information she's gathered, all the heartbreak, all the hard times, all the self-reflection, all the therapy has kind of brought her to this, this, this place that she's in in her entire life. And of course, Ben has a lot to do with it. But because she was okay with how she felt about herself, she was okay on her own, she could open herself up to Ben 18 years later She's unabashedly in love with him and, and he with her. And she was, she was incredibly open about that because it's true. You know, she made a great point. I mean, a, an obvious point about being older, but they're also wiser. They've proven that they have longevity in the business. They both have kids. <laughs> and so everything's through sort of a different lens. They've both done, and this is her, this is, this is Jennifer saying it. They've both done so much work on themselves that they sort of went off, did very, very important work and had, you know, very thriving experiences on their own. And then, and then were able to come back together, sort of fully formed human beings with open hearts. 
Oh, I love that. And and this quote that we have in the story, I feel so lucky and happy and proud to be with him. Oh, that it's so beautiful. I think of that picture, that image of her. She's standing on the red carpet. It is his movie premiere, and she's kind of off to the side, and she's just looking, uh, looking amazing, but she's just looking on at him, and it just encapsulates just how spellbound they are in this moment together. It's not even, it's like not a puppy love gaze. It's like, I am so dang proud of you, of the man you've become, of the father you've become, of who you've become as a partner. So in that way, it's not so much that it's different, but she, yes, you're exactly right. She's exactly right. She's, you know, sort of filled with pride for him, for his evolution, for hers, and their sort of, you know, newfound reunited union. Well, you brought up the children. Jennifer has two, Emmy and Max, twins, actually with her ex-husband, Mark Anthony. And Ben has three children, Violet, Serafina, and Samuel, with his ex-wife, Jennifer Garner. But they did not have children when they dated previously. And blending families and dating with exes involved can be so complicated. So did she talk about that aspect of their relationship at all and how having children has, has kind of changed their approach? Yeah, she made clear, and she also said that he would make clear as well that the children, point blank, are, well, one, the biggest difference, and two, the biggest priority for both of them. Yeah. And so while sort of, you know, merging families, blending relationships, having that kind of, um, you know, very new experience for the entire family is delicate. It's always delicate. She truly feels that, and this is her quote, you know, love rules all, love conquers everything. But of course, it is by far the biggest difference between then and now is that they have, you know, these kids. Yeah, for sure. She's not saying everything is like this fantasy. It's sort of slightly more complicated than that. Life is complicated, but she believes and she will tell her children anytime I'll listen that, you know, that real love exists and to pay witness to that is a gift for all of them. Yeah, and that it doesn't necessarily go the way you plan. I love that line she has about it's not a straight line all the time, but you you can still get there. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Liz, and taking us into the story that I have been wanting to talk about for I don't know how long, ever since they got back together. (laughs) Well, everyone, People Magazine's The Love Issue will be on stands this week, and you can catch more of this story there and on People.com. Thanks, guys. It's Trivia Tuesday here on People Every Day. And for today's question, we're turning to birthday boy Harry Styles. He is 28 years old and seems just unstoppable these days from One Direction to becoming a hit solo artist, plus acting in huge films like Dunkirk and Eternals. His star just continues to rise in the world. But before all of the fame and fortune and androgynous fashion, what song did he sing on his X Factor audition way back in 2010? Listen in after the break. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back. And now what song did Mr. Styles sing to introduce himself to the world on X Factor? Take a listen. And I never thought through love we'd be making one as lovely as she. Isn't she lovely made from love? His rendition of Stevie Wonder's Isn't She Lovely won him over with the judges and the world. And Styles has another big year ahead of him with the news he'll be headlining Coachella this spring. The premiere of his new film, Don't Worry Darling, is coming in the fall, and it's directed by none other than his girlfriend, Olivia Wilde. So looking forward to it all. Guys, today is the first day of Black History Month, and I am so excited to celebrate Black excellence in its many forms. And I think that putting a spotlight on contributions to the arts is a great way to start. There are so many wonderful movies and shows showcasing the beauty and texture of the Black experience this season, from throwback classics to exciting new content for adults and kids. And joining me now to discuss a few must-see recommendations is People's Jeremy Halliger, Hi, Jeremy. Let's get the celebration going. Hey, Janine. Well, let's honor the history first. We have so many legends of entertainment who are thankfully still with us, folks like Stevie Wonder, Debbie Allen, Harry Belafonte, but two film icons we've lost recently, Sidney Poitier and Cicely Tyson, are just top of mind right now, right? So, so what do you recommend revisiting from their works this month? One of the things that I think is really interesting about Sidney is that everyone knows his name, but a lot of people have never seen any of his films. So I think a good entry would be, of course, his Oscar-winning 1963 film, Lilies of the Field. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, not even Solomon in all his glories was arrayed as one of these. But then you have to watch his 1967 triple play, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, In the Heat of the Night, and To Sir With Love. And I think you should also throw in The Defiant One, for which he got his first Oscar nomination. And then in the 70s, he pivoted into directing with movies like Let's Do It Again. And I think you have to sort of go into those to see a little bit of later day Sidney Poitier. Oh, make it a whole weekend. I love that. And what about Cicely? Cicely Tyson, Sounder. She received an Oscar nomination for Best Actress in the 1970s for Sounder. And you have to see the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. She won an Emmy Award for that. And, you know, later in her career, she played Viola Davis's mother in several episodes of How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, yeah. And she received Emmy nominations for, for that. And she was so good. 
like seeing two titanic Black actresses. I love it. I love it. And then bringing it up to today, I know you had said something about a movie that everyone was talking about last year uh, that a lot of people might not have seen, One Night in Miami. So, so what's your take on that and why should people be tuning into that one? One Night in Miami was such a wonderful movie. Regina King's directorial debut. She should have been Oscar nominated. Mm -hmm. But you bring up Regina King's directorial debut, and it makes me think of how far Black women have come in Hollywood. And and growing up, you know, I was always looking like so many girls of color for, you know, who I could see that represented me, represented my experience. And there are some iconic Black women in Hollywood who were just talking about this. Let's take a listen. The evolution of Black women in Hollywood is, oh, honey, Lord, constantly fighting for recognition. A long chain of hard work, pain, joy, success, failure. The fight has been consistent. It's complex, just like our own history. So that was Holly Berry and some others talking during Screen Queens Rising, which is a documentary on ABC that really kind of looks back at that history. But talk to me a little bit about Holly and her her role in this conversation. Halle Berry is such an important actress because, as we all know, she is the first Black woman to win a leading actor Academy Award for Monsters Ball, which she did like 20 years ago. And Mm -hmm. no Black women have won that award since. We've had several nominated in the category, but none have won. But the interesting thing about Halle is she has a new movie called Moonfall coming out. Mm -hmm. And Roland Emmerich, who directed it, he said this past week in an interview that Halle's role in that movie was written for a man presumably a white man. But at the last minute, this sort of thought, well, what if it were a woman? And Halle Berry was his first choice. Just the idea that you have a Black woman playing a role that was written for a man is incredible progress. That's progress. But we do need more. Yeah. Well, there is also a lot out there that is going to educate viewers as well. I'm thinking of the Loyola Project, which talks about the Loyola Ramblers historic basketball season in Chicago in 1963. And for those who are just looking for lighter stuff, you know, let's move on to comedy. Like, can you let us know what people can be watching just to kind of lift their spirits? You can go back to the 90s with Eddie Murphy's Boomerang. Love that movie. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, there's Girl Trip. You could go back to the 90s again with Set It Off. Not really a comedy, but still a a, great movie about Black girl power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Last year, there was the rom-com with with Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield, The Photograph, a Black romantic comedy that did really well at the box office. So it doesn't always have to be a movie about slavery or about oppression. There are also lots of great movies out there celebrating the Black experience, the humorous side of the Black experience. You touch on, you know, love and the photograph. And we also have Sylvie's Love with Tessa Thompson and, you know, all of these just different moments that are showing Black love on screen. Do you think we've evolved in that way? Like we have more offerings in that regard? I think we have evolved. I think we could do better. Another movie about Black love that I think is really significant is the movie Moonlight. Yeah. Like, here is a movie about a Black 
young gay boy growing up. And it ends with a love story between two Black gay men, and it won the Oscar for Best Picture. In amazing fashion. We all remember that, but that is a good Over one. La La Land. Yeah, at the last minute. And the funny thing about La La Land is that La La Land sort of made Black people side players in the story of jazz. Mm, yeah. And a lot of people at the time were really upset about that. And I think it's fitting that a Black movie like Moonlight would end up winning the Best Picture Oscar over La La Land. Wow. Well, I mean, if that is not enough to take you through the whole month, I don't know what is. Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight and all these recommendations. I can't wait to watch some of the stuff. You're welcome. Anytime. All right, guys. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the Winter Olympics are starting this week, and I am so excited to watch, as is my son. The games are always something to make you smile. But you might remember a funny story that came out of last year's Summer Games in Tokyo, all the talk about the beds. So in an effort to be eco-friendly, Olympic planners opted to use beds constructed out of cardboard for the athletes to rest on inside Olympic Village. And apparently they were just as comfortable as they sound. Hundreds of athletes took to social media to complain about being uncomfortable. Well, someone heard their cry because Summer Britcher, a luge athlete for the U.S., posted a video to TikTok showing off the Beijing bed upgrades. Not only are the beds not cardboard, but they have remote control settings. What? Because not only do we not have cardboard beds here, but it's as if the Beijing organizing committee said how can we just absolutely just one-up Tokyo? I'm in zero-G mode now. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Love me a zero-G mode bed. If you don't know, Google it. It'll change your life. Well, hoping the accommodations help us out in the metals department. And thank you all for listening to us today. And we'll be back tomorrow with more of People Every Day. <laughs> 